This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. If only it were that easy, right? (laughs) Well, good morning and welcome. I'm so glad you are here today. If you are here for the very first time, We are so glad to have you. You are truly our honored guest this morning, Purpose Church. Can we help welcome those who are here for the first time today? We're very honored to have you. And when you came in today, you received a worship guide. And inside that worship guide, there's a connection card. We invite you to fill that out. You can drop it in a bucket on your way out. It just helps us reach out to you, connect with you, whatever your next step in your walk with Jesus is. And so we'd love to be able to connect with you in that way. And I'm excited today to uh, talk about one of my favorite topics, friends. Friends, I'm passionate about this topic because I understand and I know I have experience. I've walked out the implications of this in good ways and in bad. (laughs) So I'm excited to talk with you about friends today. Uh, By the way, my name is Kelly, if we've not had a chance to meet yet. And my husband, Lane, and I have the honor of pastoring the greatest church on this side of town. You know what I'm saying? So we're glad glad to have y'all here. I was actually out last week because I was in Odessa visiting my grandma. Visiting is an interesting term for it. And he shared with, with you guys last week, my grandma had an accident uh, two weeks ago and fell. She's almost 91. She broke both of her legs. And so she had surgery on both of them. And so we went, I went to Odessa. My brothers were there. All of our family was there. And I'm sharing this with you just to be family, but also say one of the things that struck me, even as I was preparing for this and while I was in Odessa, was that my grandma had all of her kids and all of her grandkids there with her as she was walking this out. And what, what stood out to me in that is that there. Just in the season of parenting, there's a time where it shifts into friendship. And that time we have with our kids as parents to our kids as friends is much, much longer than that of any of the other stages. And so hopefully if we do the nurturing and the discipline and the coaching and the training right, we can transition into this stage of friendship with our kids. And we can walk that out with them for a long time. And I got to witness bedside firsthand my grandma walking that out at the age of almost 91 where she, was, she had her kids there. She had all of her grandkids there. And when I think about the qualities of a good friend, I actually think of my grandma. We call her mama. If you've met her, you know her. She's been around for a long time. Uh, you probably call her mama. Her, name, her Christian name is Barbara. So if, you're, if you think about her, she's known in heaven either way, mama or Barbara. The Lord will know. So if you think about her, uh, say a prayer for her. She's doing okay. She made it through two surgeries. She got a bunch of screws and plates put in, and the surgeon came out and said, she has good genetics. He said as he was tapping in these screws into her bones, uh, he said he has done surgeries on younger males whose bones weren't as strong as hers. If anybody wants to know the secret, she eats a lot of watermelon and ice cream. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So uh, thank you for asking about her. Thank you for praying for her, believing God for a full recovery, uh, that she'll walk again, walk again quickly, and be able to experience a full recovery. And so thank you guys for asking about her. Last week we talked about a biblical foundation that helps us to understand the kinds of friends that we need to be to each other, the kinds of friends we need 
and the kinds of friends that we are to each other. Next week, we're going to talk about an exciting message that's going to talk about uh, our, one of our greatest relational needs in our society today and how you're, you're maybe one community away from the life that God has for you. And then the last week, we're going to talk about unfriending because it is actually impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. If you've been around any amount of time, students, we all have experienced that. So for today, my key thought, well, our key thought for this whole series is show me your friends and I'll show you your future. This is absolutely true. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. This is one thing that as parents, Lynn and I try very hard to instill into our kids that one of the most important decisions our kids can make or that we can make, any of us in here at any age can make, is that who we choose to surround ourselves with. Because the quality or or the kinds of friends you have around you will determine the quality and the direction of your life. The quality and the direction. So students, I hope you're here today. I see you on the front row taking notes. You guys are amazing. I hope that y'all are actually inspired by them. Don't let them out note take y'all, church. (laughs) This is one of the most important messages that if we can really uh, get a hold of it, it has the power to, to completely impact your life. Proverbs 13, 20 says it this way. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. And so we hear a lot of uh, phrases like this, birds of a feather flock together. So we tell our kids, hey, look, if you're riding in the back of the truck with all these kids after school and all these other kids are flipping off the cars behind you, even if you're not, the parents are going to come knock on my door because they saw your little face in the back of the pickup with them. Not that that actually happened. Just saying if it did. It's like, hey, it matters who you hang around. If, if you don't like the behavior of these kids and you don't like the kind of reputation they have, don't even be friends with them. And they're like, well, I'm not doing those things. It does not matter. You're all going to go to jail. If you're there where there's a crime committed and you're with the group of friends, you're all going to jail. Like, it doesn't matter. But this is a biblical principle that we find in God's word that has been true Age after age after age after age. This is God's truth. That if you walk with the wise, you will become wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. And here's the thing about suffering. (laughs) Is that you cannot escape it. Life will have suffering. Life will have hardship. Life will have difficulty. Enough all on its own. (laughs) We We don't have to do a whole lot to help bring suffering into our life. But there's another side to it that a lot of times the suffering that we endure is because we're hanging around foolish people. And I say that very lovingly, that a lot of us could cut out a lot of the drama, a lot of the pain, a lot of the unnecessary suffering in our lives if we would change those who we're hanging around. If we would choose friends who are going in the same direction we're going, and if we're choosing friends who are helping us walk out our lives as Christians and with Jesus. So friending and unfriending, it's equally as important. I found some interesting statistics on just even being in the room with certain kinds of people and the way that that can impact you, even when it comes to productivity. So even in the workplace, if you're around people who are low performers, it has an impact on you. Or if you're around people who are naturally high performers, it has an impact on you just by being in proximity. So check this out. If you are around a high performer just in proximity, your productivity goes up 15%. 
this doesn't mean that this person is your friend. It doesn't mean that they're your buddy. It doesn't mean that you're working on any projects together. It just means that you are in proximity with somebody who's a high performer. You will, just by essence of energy transference, your own productivity goes up 15%. Likewise, the other side of that coin is that for every low performer you are in the room with, every lower performer that you're just in proximity with, your productivity goes down double. Your productivity goes down 30%. That's just being in the room with somebody. So imagine the people you have in your life who, who are maybe low performers, just even in their own potential, Maybe they're not living for God in the way they know they're supposed to be. Maybe they're, if, if you're a student and you're in school, maybe this person is way underperforming their potential as a student, maybe as an athlete, maybe in band. There are all kinds of ways that people have an opportunity that we all have to either perform at our best or underperform. So just by being around these people impacts your own productivity. So it's even deeper when we bring these people in close to us as a friend. If just the proximity has an impact, well, if they're a friend and they're walking life with you, it has an even greater impact. I believe that Lane and I are in ministry today largely because of the friends we surrounded ourselves with when we were very young. We met in high school, uh, we married young, but the friends we had before we met each other and then the friends we had even all through high school were friends who were part of our youth ministry. They were friends that we did ministry stuff with together. There was a very famous, renowned West Texas praise and worship band in the early 2000s. You may have heard of them. They're out of Odessa called Kamikazes for Christ. <laughs> KFC for short. The lead singer's name was Landon Kiker. <laughs> So there was this group of, group of guys. Some of them were from my church. Some of them were from his church. In fact, it was him and his brother. And our youth groups would do stuff together, and these guys were always hanging around. They had a reasonable amount of musical quality that would uh, help them to be, what's the word? Uh, entertaining anywhere out in public. They would start doing, like, random beats and claps and singing and doing all kinds of really interesting things. And then that just developed where they're like, hey, I can play the bass, and I can play the drums, and I can play the guitar. Hey, we should start a band, because what high school boy doesn't start a band? Thankfully, these boys were uh, rooted in, in their faith, rooted in the church, and they were walking with Jesus. But because that was part of our high school experience, they, they would uh, play for a lot of youth rallies or conferences or any stuff out in West Texas in the big metropolitan area of like Kermit, Crane, Midland. Y'all never been to West Texas. Y'all like, I don't even know what those, where those towns are. But they would travel the KFC band, and, and would minister. So our, our life of setup and teardown actually started very early. <laughs> so when it came time to do portable church, we were like, hey, we got this. We know how to, we know how to move speakers and, and set stuff up. But even in our church, we would do things like Youth Sunday, and, and me and a couple of my friends, we would take turns preaching. 
there are pictures of us in high school, even in Landon's parents' church, where we, were, we had opportunities to, to start ministering at a young age. And I believe that it's part of that reason that we are where we are today. And many people from my high school years are doing ministry in some sort of way because we surrounded ourselves with people who helped us find really how God could use us in our gifts, how God could use us in our passions in in a way that set us on a certain path in life that has had a huge impact on us. And I know likewise I've seen it where people surround themselves with certain people at a very crucial time in life and it sets them on a path that can take years and years and a lot of money and sometimes time in jail to undo that. So the friends we make really, really matters. I know when it comes to social media, this can impact how we feel about friends. Because we can feel like we're very connected. We can feel like, hey, I have 1,700 friends on on Facebook and I have 1,500 followers on Instagram and we're connecting and maybe messaging and we're seeing each other's lives played out. And so we feel like we're connected, but really it's leaving us feeling more lonely. It's leaving us feeling even more isolated because it's not a, a true sense of relationship. I think intuitively we know that we're longing for something more. Intuitively, we know that there's something not quite right when there's this sense of loneliness in spite of how many social media friends we might have. There's this desire that God has put in us that that we know we're trying to be connected and we feel deep down that there must be something more relationally than what we're actually experiencing. There's actually three types of poverty. One you're probably very familiar with. It's material poverty, where, you, where you're lacking in material things. Maybe it's money, cars, home, food. Materially, there is a, a level of poverty. A second kind of poverty is spiritual poverty, where you can have all of the things in the world. You can have the best yacht that ever yachted. You can have vacation homes and second homes and incredible vacations. You can lack for no thing, but if you don't know Jesus, you actually don't have anything. There's a, there's a spiritual poverty. So there's material, spiritual. The third kind of poverty is actually relational. And I think it's a kind of poverty that, that maybe we're less familiar with. I remember a time early in our youth ministry days, I think we were 20, and we took a group of students to Mexico. I look back, like as a parent now, I look back, and I have so many questions. We took a group, uh, it's probably because we went with some friends who are a little bit older than us. They're like, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll probably be okay. Jesus bless it. We took a group of kids in Mexico on a mission trip. And if you've ever served in a third world country, you, you've probably experienced this. Where you're, we were ministering to these kids, and I'll never forget the time I saw a lady sweeping the dirt from in front of her makeshift home made out of pallets and cardboard boxes. She was sweeping the dirt, like cleaning it, and I thought, Wow, like it impacted me. And I remember like the first few days feeling, feeling devastated for their lack of material things. I, I felt sad for them, for their level of material poverty that they were experiencing. And then as the, as the trip went on, maybe it's day three, maybe day four, I started to realize I actually think they have something I don't have. How can these people be so grateful for what they have that they're willing to sweep the dirt in front of their makeshift home? And to do it smiling. And then the, and then when I come up and walk up to them and approach them, they are actually blessing and ministering to me. They, they would show up to worship services that were outside and very, very, very hot. Near, no air conditioning, no fans, no nothing. Just a group of people who deeply love Jesus. 
And the spirit of worship that came from that was so profound. It was so amazing. I thought, I actually think they have more than I have. There's, there's a depth of, of spiritual wealth they have here that, that I don't know about. And a lot of times when people experience uh, material poverty, it, it places them to experience uh, spiritual or even relational wealth in a way that is hard for us to understand. But I do believe that there is a relational poverty that many of us experience that we're not even aware of. And it's likely that you are also impacted by relational poverty. And that when we feel that, it seems like maybe there's something that is wrong. Maybe that there's something missing. And I would challenge you with this thought today that it's not something that's missing, but maybe it's someone. Maybe it's someone who is missing. And so the key thought for today is this. You might be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. One friend away. One friend away from changing the course of your destiny. We see this in the life of Paul, that Paul's entire life, the entire trajectory of his ministry, which impacted the world, millions of people over thousands of years have been impacted because Paul had one friend who changed his life forever. One single friend. In Acts chapter 9, 26, it says this, when Saul, who was Paul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. Why? Because he had been the chief murderer of Christians up until this point. So this guy who had been murdering the very people that now he's trying to be friends with were a little sus of him. He's trying to join their small group, and they're like, yes, I just don't feel like dying today, not to be rude, but I don't know if I want you in my small group. You've been killing people like me. So they were really keeping him at arm's length, keeping them, keeping them away. And it says here, look at verse 27, but Barnabas, but Barnabas. And I believe that today can be a but Barnabas kind of day for you today. Maybe today is the day that you register for a small group. And you show up to a, a small group for the first time. And maybe you meet your but Barnabas kind of friend who can change your life in such a way that your entire destiny is changed because of one friend. So here's Paul trying to become friends with Christians who don't want to die because he's been murderous. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord. So here Barnabas is. He's willing to stick his own neck out there on behalf of his new friend Paul. He's willing to vouch for him. He's willing to give uh, credit to who he is as a changed person. It says he was on his journey and had seen the Lord, that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And this guy who Barnabas helped was the one who wrote over half of the New Testament, who preached and helped start the early church. We are here because Barnabas was a good friend of Paul. Christianity as we know it, the early church as we know it, was completely set on its course and on its destiny because there was a but Barnabas kind of moment for Paul. We need that kind of friend. We need that for us. And I believe that today can be the beginning of that for you as well. That you may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. I would encourage you in this as well as it comes to friending is not to look for a one-stop shop kind of friend. I remember thinking this in my life as, as a teenager. I remember thinking it as an adult. Like if I could just have that one friend that loves this and this and this. And we could do these things together and this together. And like, well, I've got this friend, but she's really like this friend. And then this, I go over here. 
I just want to share with you, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to have different friends that can meet different meet you in different aspects of your life. Because if you're waiting for that one-stop shop, that one-size-fits-all kind of friend, you're not going to find it. Because you're not going to be that for somebody else. And you're not likely going to find that in other people as well. God uses friends of different ages, stages, and generations to impact our life. And this is actually biblical. The Bible talks about the older, mentoring the younger, pouring into the younger. And we we get this amazing, spiritual, symbiotic kind of relationship with people when we're open to the kinds of people that God can bring into our life. It was years ago, I'm trying to remember how many now, maybe 13, 14 years ago, we were serving at a church. That experience had ended for us. We were looking for a job. We were like, well, God, what's, what's the next step? Where are we going to go next? And a friend reached out to, to Landon and said, hey, let's meet up for breakfast. We thought this friend knew about our situation, that this was like a pity pancake kind of moment. Like, sorry that you're, you know, going through this tough time. And uh, we thought it was a pity breakfast. This guy didn't know anything about it. But what this guy did share with Landon at that breakfast was about this organization that he was thinking about being a part of. It's called ARC, Association of Related Churches. They help people plant churches. And, and Landon came home with it. And I, I'm not the most trusting of organizations a lot. Um, I'm the skeptical kind. And so he came home telling us about this organization. I was like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good fit. So we were looking into it. And then we found out that ARC, Association of Related Churches, was hosting an ARC one day in Houston. And now we had lots of time to go. Uh, The Lord had opened up our calendar, so we were able to go. Uh, And as we got to know more about this organization, it completely changed the course of our lives. that's the organization we ended up partnering with to plant this church. Like this church is here and planted through an organization that came alongside us, coached us, trained us. Some of our best friends are through that organization. It, It reinvigorated in us a love and a passion for the local church. We are local church people. We grew up in church. We love the church. We've seen the church at its at its worst, at its best. We've seen it in all places and and we know the power of the local church, but we were in a low place. We were in a low place in how we felt about ministry. We were in a low place about what our next steps were. And this organization helped rekindle the fire inside of us for what a local church in a community can and could and should be. And we said yes, and we signed up, and we started building a launch team. We started gathering people, and we launched our church out of that organization that came from somebody who was a friend to us. Came from one friend. One conversation from one friend completely changed the entire direction and destiny, not only of our lives, but of our family and likely yours as well. The power of one friend in your life, the power of one friend in your life, you might be one friend away from completely changing the course of your destiny. Say, but Barnabas, but Barnabas. There are three kinds of friends that every person needs. And we're going to look at these friends through the life of David. We're going to look at different stages of David's life. He had three friends that, that ministered to him in different ways. And these are the three kinds of friends that we all need. If you're taking notes, I know you like a title. It's called One Friend Away. So as we look at, at the life of David, if you're familiar with the, the life of David, uh, you may know he wasn't perfect. There was one uh, fatal moment for David that he kind of goes down in history for. And we're, we're going to talk about that as well. 
But David had three friends. He had Samuel, Nathan, and Jonathan. And the thing about David is that he had the right people around him who helped him become the right person that God had for him to be. David had around him the right people to help him become the right kind of person. The first kind of friend that David had was a friend who made him better. All of us need a friend who makes you better. A friend who makes you better. And this friend for David was Samuel. God at this point had rejected another king named Saul. And he chose a prophet by the name of Samuel to anoint the next king. So he goes to the house uh, where David lived. And Samuel went to that. It was the house of Jesse to look at all of the sons who would become the next king. David was so not even on the radar for this. They left him out in the field tending to the animals. Didn't even bring him in. They're like, he's the runt. There's not even an option. He's like, not only benched, but he was like out filling up water bottles kind of guy. Like he, he not, even, not even there. So all of Jesse's sons are lined up. And Samuel comes in. And Samuel looks at one guy. And the Lord tells him, nope. Looks at the next guy. Nope. And on down the line of sons, as Samuel is looking for the next person God wants to anoint as king. And then Samuel asks, is there anybody else? Because it is not any of these, I don't, I don't understand, but God has said no to them. Is there anybody else? And they're like, well, there's one little guy. He's out in the field, but it's probably not him. And Samuel's like, hey, bring him in. And what we know is that we get from this scripture that it says that God does not look at the outside, but God is looking at the heart. He, and he looks at what's on the inside. And Samuel was the kind of friend to David who could see what was on the inside of him, who could see the potential that was in him and helped call it out in him. 1 Samuel 16 says this, it says, Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him, this is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. So there was not one person in David's family who saw in him what Samuel saw in him. Not one person in David's family who thought he'd ever be king, but he had somebody around him who saw it in him. God put it on one man's heart that he was chosen, that he was anointed, and that this was his destiny. I think a lot of times our friends are often out of convenience. Like, hey, who sits next to you in, in lit class? Or who's on the team with you? Who sits next to you at work? Who's in your mom group and who just happens to have kids the same age as your kids? And I believe that God can work through all of those things. But there's a difference in, hey, we just happen to have friends by convenience. But the question is, are these friends making you better? Are they making you better? Are they, are they challenging you? We don't need friends just by accident. We need intentional friends around us who will help make us better. I have a friend like this in my life. I'm thankful that she lives locally. Some of my friends who, who serve in ministry live all over, all over the country. This friend thankfully lives close, and so we meet up for lunch often, and she is never a yes girl. She is never one to get on any kind of train that I might be on at the time and just ride it with me. She's not that kind of friend. She's the kind of friend where I can talk about something, I can share something, I'm, I'm talking through it, and she will just sit back and ask a thoughtful question like, that, that might be so. I'm like, what does that mean? Might be so. Like, I'm telling you it's so. She's like, well. And she'll ask another question. And so many times because she's willing to help make me better, she challenges my leadership. She challenges my spirituality. She challenges um, me as a wife, as a mom, as a pastor. There are a lot of times where I'm going through maybe something big and I'm sharing it with her. And she'll ask this question. Have you prayed about it? 
And I, I think sometimes I want to ask that question, but I don't want to be annoying because it's obvious, like, yes, we should be praying about it. But the thing is, every time she asks me, I am sorry to admit this to you, but most of the time, my answer is like, no, I haven't. So she helps me lead with integrity because she's a friend who helps make me better. By asking questions, regardless of is this an obvious question or not, she's asking the tough questions to help make me better. And I'm grateful for that. Do you have people in your life who help make you better in the areas of life that matter most? Maybe in your career, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your education. Do you have friends around you who are helping make you better? Because you could be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. Got to hang around people who will make you better. Walk with the wise and you will become, shout it, wise. And I believe at the same time, God wants to use you to help be that same person for other people. That you can help be the kind of person in other people's lives who you are helping make them better. So in Proverbs 27, 17, it says this, As iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. And we need each other to help keep us sharp. So David had Samuel who helped make him better. And then he had another friend, Jonathan. And we all need a friend like Jonathan who, number two, we all need a friend who helps us find spiritual strength. Spiritual strength. Jonathan was the son of Saul. David was anointed the next king. He had become a war hero. And people were shouting in the streets like, yes, Saul had killed his thousands, but David's killed his ten thousands. And as they were celebrating the war hero that David had become, Saul was feeling very jealous. And 1 Samuel 23 says this. It says, while David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. So his life is on the line here. Somebody's coming for blood. And it was Saul's son, Jonathan. He says he went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. Helped him find strength in God. We all need these friends because no matter who you are, no matter how long you've walked with Jesus, no matter what kind of amazing Christian you might be, we all face temptations. We all feel down at some point. We all feel discouraged in life. No matter what kind of person you are, we all need friends who can help strengthen us in the Lord. We need a friend who can lift us up when we're feeling down. We need a friend who can comfort us when we're feeling alone. We need a friend who can encourage us maybe when we're feeling very discouraged. And to encourage us with scripture, somebody who will pray with you, pray for you, and encourage you in the Lord to help you find spiritual strength. Not strength in yourself, but spiritual strength. I remember there was a time early, uh, well, it wasn't early in our marriage. I think we'd been married seven years, but it was our first pregnancy. And we actually had a miscarriage our first pregnancy. And this was a, it was summertime, and so I had been teaching, and I was home for the summer which gave me just more, more mental time. And there was a couple, there were several days where I was feeling especially just down, just feeling sad. Um, we had wanted this baby. We felt like God had given us a promise over this baby's life. And it was just a very difficult loss for us. And there was a day that I was feeling very down about it. And I thought, I just need to reach out to somebody to pray with me. I, I, need to, I need to reach out. Like, I don't want to just be here alone. And, and so I reached out to somebody. And the person I reached out to was not the same age as me, 
wasn't somebody that like I would just go hang out with and go gallivant around with, though I like this person. The person I texted was Sonia. I heard you out here, Miss Sonia. Y'all know Miss Sonia. If you've been here, you know Miss Sonia. Miss Sonia was the person that I reached out to. And I just texted her and asked for prayer. And this happens all the time. And what Sonia could have done was, I'm praying for you. You're going to get through this. Here's a verse. And left it at that. And that would have been fine. That's all I was expecting, all I wanted. I've responded to other people that way. That would have been sufficient. But she went the next level. She actually came over in that moment. She came over in that moment. She prayed for me. She encouraged me. Gave me a big hug. And then here's what she did. She left. She left. She left. She didn't stay. She didn't stay around. And I think what's important, what's, what has stood out to me over the years is not only what she did do, but also what she didn't do. She didn't offer to take me for mimosas or margaritas. She didn't offer to take me even for Mexican food or to go shopping. She didn't offer to sit and watch a movie with me. She helped me find strength in the Lord. And as she helped me find strength in the Lord, she prayed for me. She spoke scripture over me. She was there with me in that moment. And then the reason she left was I, I know now she left because she had to leave so that God could do what only God could do for me in that moment. That, that which God is designed to do through me. And I didn't have the ability in the moment to find it for myself. I needed a Sonia in my life at that moment to help me find strength in the Lord. I didn't need to go out for any drinks. I think a lot of times we do that as friends. Hey, you're feeling down. Let's, let's go out for whatever. Like that's, honestly, that's not the kind of friend we need to be to one another. We need to be the kind of friend to one another who's going to help people find strength in the Lord. And then to trust that God is going to do in them that which God has promised he's going to do. And he meets us in those places where nobody else can. But we need friends who are going to help us find strength in the Lord. And I believe that you are one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. If you can find a friend and also be a friend who will help you find strength in the Lord. I wonder if you have that friend. I don't want you to rob yourself of being this friend to other people as well. So the friends that David had, a friend who made him better, a friend who helped him find spiritual strength, and a friend who tells you the truth. And this friend to David, his name was Nathan, a friend who tells the truth. And this, this part of my message today has been the thing that has been on Landon's and my heart for this series very strongly. Because truth-telling is often a two-way street. People can only be as truthful with us in our lives as we allow them to be based on the information that we share with them. And so as we disclose things and we hide or lie by hiding and omission, or we keep things from people and we're not really honest about where our spiritual state is or our mental state or our purity state or any of the states, when we're just not honest with ourselves and we're not honest with other people, then other people cannot be truthful with us. And I want to lovingly be very honest and truthful with you today too that a lot of times we want people to be informed of our lives without ever speaking into our lives. And so we do this thing as Christians called the God card. 
where we're, we're informing people of a decision that we've made. We didn't invite them in and say, hey, this is what I'm praying about. This is what I'm thinking about. This is what I feel maybe God is doing in me. We do all of that alone in private, and then we often decide what we want, but we know that somebody in our life might be a truth teller, and we don't want that, and so we keep them at arm's length with a God card. And we say, God has told me this. And once we're God-carded as a friend, it's very clear that you don't want me speaking into this. And so I just want to challenge you today that as you are are looking for friends who can be truth-tellers in your life, that you have a responsibility for yourself as to how you allow people to be truthful with you. My friend that I was talking about who makes me better can ask me the hard questions because I'm truthful with her on the other side of it. She can't make me better in ways that I'm dishonest about. Nobody can, can encourage me in things that I'm hiding from them. So how can I have a friend who makes me better? Or how can I have a friend who, who strengthens me in the Lord if I'm hiding from them with the things that I'm really dealing with? And over and over in my life when I've been struggling with something or I've felt down or been discouraged or whatever the case may be, every single time I'm open and honest about that and can share it with somebody, I have friends there to help me. But they can only do that based on the information that I share with them. Got to be truthful. We have to be honest with ourselves about where we are. We have to be honest with God about where we are. And we've got to have people in our lives that we are honest with and allow them to be truthful with us in return. I think this is one of the most important ingredients to having a depth of friendships around us. It's our our ability to tell the truth. I think this could be a whole message in and of itself. I'm just going to touch on a few points in it today. I think some of the reasons that we're not truthful with people is that we're embarrassed about it or we think that they will judge us for it. And what I have found over and over again, and I just want to share this to encourage you to step out in boldness and to be honest with people around you, is that the person that you're sharing with has likely experienced the same thing, has known somebody who has experienced it, or will experience it at some point, and then they will know that they can talk to you about it because you're not going to be judging them for it. We're all walking through life and struggling with things, and you're not alone in it. I think one of the biggest tools of the enemy is to convince us that we're the only ones going through what we're going through. We're the only ones struggling with the same sin pattern that we're struggling with. We're the only one who thinks the things we think and feels the things we feel or do the things we do without. We're the only one. That's just not true. That is a flat-out lie from the enemy because we're all facing things. And the moment of friendship can really get deep is when you allow somebody to really see that side of you. And then they say, oh, you too. You too? Well, I've struggled with this too. And then you can begin to walk things out together and be strengthened in the Lord. But you need a friend who will tell the truth. And the friend to David who did this was Nathan. So we know from Scripture that the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And then David does a thing where he takes his eyes off of the Lord and he puts them on a woman that was not his wife. And, and he commits adultery, and he breaks the heart of God with this sin, and then it, caught, it led him to the sin of murder. So he's on this pattern that's not good for him, and he's unaware of, of the gravity of the situation that he's put the kingdom in because of his sin. He is unaware of it. And so Nathan comes into his life, and Nathan tells him a story about a lamb. 
And I want to share this story with you. It's in 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 9. It says, The Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little lamb. Listen to how it describes the relationship that this guy has with this lamb. One little ooh lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and he grew up with him and with his children. And it used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. And it was like a daughter to him, this lamb was. And now there came a traveler to the rich man. And the the rich man who had many flocks was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guests who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb. The one that he had raised up, the one that had been like a daughter to him, the one that would eat at the table and drink out of his cup. He took that man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. And then David's anger, as he's listening to to his friend Nathan tell the story, David's getting angry. It says his anger greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, this man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, you're the man but not in that tone. This was not a good, you're the man. This was a, you are the man. You're the man in the story. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you Judah, or I I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms, and gave you the house of Israel of Judah. And if this were too little, I I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. So Nathan confronts David and brings him into an awareness of his sin. Nathan told David the truth. Nathan loved David enough to tell him the truth. When was the last time you had a friend in your life who loved you enough to tell you the truth? We need people around us who are going to tell us the truth. People who are going to say, hey, that, that thing you're doing is not good for you. That This way that you're going is going to pull you from God. And, and these decisions you're making is not going to be good for your marriage. These, this job that you're doing with all this traveling, it's pulling you out of your family in ways that are not going to be good for you. When was the last time you had a friend love you enough to tell you the truth? We need these friends around us, and you might be one friend away from that. Psalm 51 is is the psalm, it's a prayer of repentance that David prays after Nathan confronts him with this. It's this moment where David realizes his sin, and he's brokenhearted before the Lord, and he comes to him in a repentant prayer. You can read that in Psalm 51. So we need friends who will speak truth to us. I have a, a group of friends on our text thread. It's called Girl Squad. I actually met them through an ARC coaching event, ARC, the Association of, Association of Related Churches. We would do coaching for other church planners, and I met a group of friends there, all because that one breakfast that we thought were pity pancakes. I have this, this group of friends, and I was talking with one of them one time, and she just called out some things in me that she saw. She's like, I think there's a lot of leadership and boldness in you and strength in you, but you're very timid and you hold back. And she just was very honest with me in a way that, honestly, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I think I was a little embarrassed, and I was like, I'm not timid. And she's like, no, like, there's a, a boldness in you that God has put in you that you're not leading out of. And she just challenged me and it spoke truth to me in a way that was not exactly comfortable, but at least she loved me enough to tell me the truth. 
Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says this way, An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. A friend who spoke that truth to me, that was that, that uncomfortable feeling I had, was better than everybody being like, oh, way to go, you're doing great. It does, doesn't make me better. But somebody who could lovingly speak truth to me does help make me better. There's a, one of my favorite quotes, I don't know who said it, but it's something that I think about often. It's, it says this, if you're my friend, tell me where I hurt. Like if, if we're really close and we're really friends and you really know what's going on in my life, tell me where I hurt. Do you know what's weighing on my heart? Do you know what I'm struggling with? Do you know? Do you know? And likewise, can I say that for my friends? For the people that I get to be that for them in their life, do I know where they're hurting? And when I know, am I there for them? Am I showing up for them? Am I speaking truth to them? Am I strengthening them in the Lord? Am I help making them better? I think that some of you will never become the person who God wants you to be because you're relationally impoverished. I think we can continue with one or two close friends and and maybe we think that that's enough, but I want you to realize today that God has more for you in the friend department than that. And honestly, this is is what fuels us to have small groups. I remember having a conversation with somebody one time who was really struggling with this relational poverty. And I was like, hey, there's no friend train that's gonna come by and stop and invite you onto it. Like there's no friend train, but, but what we can offer you is small groups. You can find a friend in small groups. You can find a community of people who can be these kinds of friends to you. You can have, imagine if, if your life had five, six, 12, 15, a whole community of people who were helping you reach your potential for what God has for you. You might be one friend away from the entire, your entire destiny changing course. We've seen it before where people who are rooted in community, rooted in friendships, get a job transfer and move, and they pull themselves and their families out of a vibrant, Christ-centered, faith-centered community, and it can be devastating for people. Not that you can't rebuild or not to, hey, never go, not that kind of thing, but if God is doing something in relationships, that counts for something. That counts for something. If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. So what does that look like for you today? If friends truly determine the direction and the quality of your life, what, if you're just to take an inventory around you today, what would that look like? I think some of us may be one friend away from an addiction you do not yet have. I think some of us here today may be headed for divorce that friends could be negatively contributing towards. And we're just coasting through life with it. I think, I think some of us, if we're students here today, you may be one friend away from making failing grades or dropping out of school. Do you realize you could be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny in a positive or a negative way? I know you may be here today like, hey, that's really dramatic. I'm not headed for divorce. I'm certainly not going to go to jail or drop out of school. That's, that's true. That's probably, probably true for most of us. But what I would hate for us to walk in as we leave this kind of message is just walking into more of the same. More of the same, just more, more of the same. And, and what would more of the same be? Where friend, more of the same would be friends who aren't challenging you, friends who are not making you better, friends who are not strengthening you, friends who are not being truthful with you, just more of the same, more of the same lukewarm, half-hearted commitment to God. 
more of living the same kind of self-centered life that's all about you and, and about accumulating things that will never satisfy. More of the same is when you know that the highlight of your life is going to a football game or looking forward to a three-day weekend. And maybe you don't even know that there's something wrong with that because it's just what you've been surrounded by. And so maybe today what I can lovingly do is just kind of pull back a, a, a curtain that says, that's not the best that God has for you. God, God wants more for you. God wants more for you from that. You could be one friend away from being the kind of spouse that you've always wanted to be. You could be one friend away from being the kind of student that you know you've always had the potential to be. You could be one friend away from being the kind of parent that pours into your kid and raises them up to love and follow and serve the Lord. You could be one friend away from living the kind of generous lifestyle with your time, your talent, your treasure. You could be one friend away from being a part of what God is doing here in this church where you're not just coming and, and consuming, but you may be one friend away from being able to be a part of what God is doing here and using your gifts and your talents to serve people and to make a difference in their life. You could be one friend away from getting free from an addiction. You could be one friend away from financial freedom. You could be one friend away. You could be one friend away from living a healthier lifestyle, getting fit, being healthy, making healthy choices that would actually and literally add years on to your life so you could be around to enjoy your grandchildren for a lot longer than if you stay on the course that you're on now. You could be one friend away from that. You could be one friend away from walking, waking up and walking with divine purpose and calling in your life. You could be one friend away, maybe for some of you, from meeting Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord, to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe one friend away from meeting Jesus who could be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. The friend who never leaves. In fact, the word says that he no longer calls us servants, but he calls us friend. You might be one friend away from meeting Jesus today. So what do you need to do to find these kinds of friends? How, how do we find these friends? There's actually a vitamin for it. There's a vitamin that you can take to help you find these friends. It's called vitamin B1. B1. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I never said it was a good joke. I've just waited for a moment where it would work in a message. You can be the kind of friend that you need for others. You can be that for other people. That's a lot of times how you find that kind of friend is that, that we take our eyes off of ourselves and we, we lift our eyes to the people around us and become that same kind of friend to the people around us. We're gonna be the kind of friend who makes people better. We're going to be the kind of friend that helps people find spiritual strength. We're going to be the kind of friend that tells people the truth, that when they come to us and say, hey, I think this is what God is doing in my life, and then three weeks later, it's completely different. We're the kind of honest friend that says, hey, what about that thing you said over here? Are you sure? Or what about the kind of honest friend that says, hey, I think you're God-carding me right now. Are we going to be the kind of friend that helps tell the truth to pull people back from ways that could be destructive for their lives? Can we be that kind of friend? As iron sharpens iron, we can be conformed into the image of Christ as we walk with the wise. And then we become wise as we walk with the wise. And if we can avoid 
keeping the company of fools, we can also avoid and keep ourselves from suffering a lot of needless harm. So I want to invite you today as we begin our response time. If you're new here, we, we end every service with a time of prayer. There's communion. The team's going to lead us in a song. This is a moment, as we've been talking about truthfulness and honesty, for you to be honest with yourself and to be honest with God and possibly a prayer partner about where are you in your relational poverty. Which of the three kinds of friends are you most impoverished? And it might be all three. Can you be honest about that today? And can you bring that as a prayer request to the Lord? And I would encourage you today that this is an all play for prayer. We're all getting prayer. You don't have to wait until one person comes and sits down. You can just come, crowd the altar, get in line, let somebody lay hands on you, let somebody pray with you. That first of all, twofold, one, that you will be these kinds of friends to the people around you. That when you see through stuff, you can lovingly say it. You can ask tough questions. You can help people find strength in the Lord. That you can be these kinds of friends. And then also that God will bring these kinds of friends into your life. That God will give you eyes to see those he's placed around you. That you'll have the courage to step into a small group. Maybe growth track is your next step. Where you can be on a team and you can serve people. I wanted to kind of land the plane here sharing with you a time where I needed a good friend in my life. I was young. I was, a, I was a high schooler. I was really starting to find my own faith and relationship with Jesus. And I knew that my friend circle at that time didn't really reflect where I knew my faith was going. And I needed that kind of friend to help walk that journey with me. And so you can think it's childish or silly, but I'm sharing this with you to say there's nothing that is too silly or too childish for God. And finding godly friends to walk through life with you is neither one of those things. And I remember praying and asking God for a friend who loved Jesus. God, can you just, like, I need a friend who really loves Jesus. This is a very true story. I was on the track team. We can take a minute and we can laugh at the thought of it. I was not good at any of it, so they put me on the 100-yard dash. So I was getting ready for a race. I was in the blocks. I was down, had my feet in the blocks, waiting for the, the gun to go off. And I was just being kind of goofy, kind of silly. Probably why I wasn't very good at track. And there's this girl next to me, and she laughed at my joke. And then after that, we started talking and hanging out after our race because we had like nine hours for a, you know, I don't know how long it takes you to run 100 yards anymore. It's been a while. But we ran our race, and then we hung out the rest of the day, found out she loved Jesus. She was on fire for God. She, she went to church. She loved God. And then I found out she played soccer, which is actually was a better fit for me than track. And then we found out that we had some mutual friends and then, and then we became friends and we ended up playing soccer together. We ended up going to high school together. She became a very good friend to me. And I promise it was like that day or the day before I had prayed and asked God to send a friend to me. And then in the least expected moment, right before a race, I found that friend. God put that friend in my life at just the right time. This was a friend who through high school and different relationships coming and, and going and there were temptations and all the things. Like I would talk to her about it and she would constantly pull me back and say, that's not the kind of person you are. That's not the kind of choices God has for you. You're going to regret that if you do it. I can see why you would want to do that. Don't go that way. She was always that friend who would help pull me back into walking in my destiny. 
She was in my wedding years later. I was in her wedding. We've been great friends. And it's because I was willing to ask God to send that person to me. And so I wonder today, if you can be honest with yourself where there is some relational poverty in your life, what kind of friend do you need? Will you be bold enough to ask God for that person today? Would you be willing to say, God, I need somebody in my life that I can be truthful with and that I will allow to be truthful with me. Would you just go ahead and stand with me this morning? And as we go into response time, I mentioned it, but wanna remind you that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is a friend who laid down his life for us. And if you have not said yes to the one who is the King of Kings and the very best friend you will ever have, today is your day to do that. If our prayer partners, you guys can go ahead and come on down. If you wanna say yes to the very best friend you will ever have and ever know, come down and pray with a prayer partner today and tell them, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If you've said yes to Jesus and you just want to thank him and be reminded of the price he paid so that we can have these kinds of friends and be these kinds of friends, I'd invite you to a moment of communion today where his body was broken for you and his blood was shed for you so that we can step into the kinds of friendships that will make us better, be strengthened in the Lord, and people who can speak truth to us. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just ask God in this moment? God, will you help me to be honest about where I'm relationally impoverished? God, I believe, God for the one maybe who's believed a lie that we don't need anybody, that we, can, that we can walk it out on our own, that we don't have to tell people what we're struggling with. God, we rebuke that lie from the enemy today in Jesus' name, that we are built for community. We are made to be in community. We need to be honest with people around us. Lord, for the one who needs any one of these three friends, if that's you today and you need prayer for that, will you just slip up a hand and say, that's me, and I'm gonna pray for you, and then I'm gonna invite you to come down and confess that and, and ask for prayer for that with hands up everywhere. You're not alone. You're not alone. Lord, would you give us courage today? to be honest and say, I need a friend. I need a friend to walk through life with me. I'm not okay with the status quo. I don't want more of the same. I want more of what you have for me. Lord, would you right now in this moment, give them the strength they need to be honest, to join a small group, maybe to reach out and be that kind of friend. Lord, give us the eyes to see the people you've put around us. And Lord, help us to be that kind of friend as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Church, as a, as a team leads us through song, this is your moment to respond. Come down and pray, take communion, and worship the Lord with us. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.